Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep. Quiet bedtime stories to help you fall asleep. The end of spring is upon us here on the mountain, and summer is on its way. The last big flush of wild native flowers is going on right now. A few of my favorites only bloom during this time of the year, and I went out this week to take some pictures of them because they don't last all that long when it's getting so dry. On the blog this week at listentosleep.com, you can see the big yellow mule's ear flowers and the petite fuchsia clarkia. Those are aptly named Farewell to Spring. I'd like to thank Suzanne, Jamie, and Veronica for supporting the podcast through the Patreon this week. Thank you so much. Those of you who've been listeners for a while know that this podcast is just me, working on it in my spare time. And all the growth of the podcast so far has been through friends sharing it with friends. So, if you wouldn't mind sharing the podcast with someone you know who has a hard time sleeping, I'd sure appreciate it. Sending them to listentosleep.com is one of the best ways to do that. It's the best place to search and listen to all the episodes, read or leave a review, and you can check out the photos and stories from around the cabin in my weekly blog posts. This week's story is another Viking tale from the book In the Days of Giants, about a stubborn giantess who winds up happier after she doesn't get her way. Let's take a deep breath. In. And out. Just feel the weight of gravity pulling you down into your mattress. Let's take another deep breath in. And out. Letting go of the day. Nothing to do. Nowhere to go. This is your time. Quiet time. One more deep breath in. And out. If you get tired while I'm reading to you, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. The Giantess who would not. Of all the Asir who sat in the twelve seats about Father Odin's wonder throne, none was so dear to the people of Midgard, the world of men, as Frey. For Frey, the twin brother of Freya the Fair, was the god who sent sunshine and rain upon the earth that men's crops might grow and ripen, and the fruits become sweet and mellow. 
He gave men cattle and showed them how to till the fields. And it was he who spread peace and prosperity over the world. For he was Lord of the light elves, the spirits of the upper air, who were more beautiful than the sun. And these were his servants, whom he sent to answer the prayers of the men who loved him. Frey was more beautiful, too, than any of the Aesir, except young Balder. This was another reason why he was so beloved by all. But there came a time when Frey found someone who would not love him, and that was a new experience for him. A punishment for the only wrong he ever committed. You remember that Father Odin had a wonderful throne in the silver-roofed house, a throne whence he could see everything that was happening in all the world. Well, no one was allowed to sit upon this throne, except All-Father himself, for he would not have the others spying into affairs which only the king of Asgard was wise enough to understand. But one day, when Odin was away from home, Frey had such a longing to climb up where he might gaze upon all the world which he loved that he could not resist the temptation. He stole up to the great throne when no one was looking and, mounting the steps, seated himself upon All-Father's wonder seat. Oh, marvelous, grand, and beautiful! He looked off into the heavens, and there he saw all the Asir busy about their daily work. He looked above, into the shining realm of clear air. And there he saw his messengers, the pretty little light elves, flying about upon their errands of help for men. Some were carrying seeds for the farmers to plant. Some were watering the fields with their little water pots, making the summer showers. Some were pinching the cheeks of the apples to make them red, and others were reeling silk for the corn tassels. Then Frey looked down upon the earth, where men were scurrying around like little ants, improving the blessings which his servants were sending, and often stopping their work to give thanks to their beloved Frey, and this made his kind heart glad. Next, he turned his gaze down into the depths of the blue ocean, which flowed about Midgard like a giant river, and down in the sea caves 
he saw the mermaids playing. Queen Ran and her daughters, the white-capped waves, with their nets ready to catch the sailors who might be drowned at sea. And he saw King Ogier among the whales and dolphins, with all the myriad wondrous creatures who lived in his watery empire. But Frey's father, old Njord, lord of the ocean wind, would have been more interested than he in such a sight. Last of all, Frey bent his eyes upon the far, cold land of Jutenheim, beyond the ocean where the giants lived. And as he did so, a beam of brightness dazzled him. He rubbed his eyes and looked again, and lo, the flash was from the bright arms of a beautiful maiden, who was passing from her father's hall to her own little bower. When she raised her arms to open the door, the air and water reflected their brightness so that the whole world was flooded with light. The one shaft shot straight into the heart of Frey, making him love her and long for her more than for anything he had ever seen. But because he knew that she must be a giant's daughter, how could he win her for his bride? Frey descended from Odin's throne very sadly, very hopelessly, and went home with a heavy heart, which would let him neither eat nor sleep. This was the penalty which came for his disobedience in presuming to sit upon Odin's sacred throne. For hours, no one dared speak to Frey, for he looked so gloomy and forbidding, quite unlike his own gay self. Njord, his father, was greatly worried and knew not what to do. At last he sent for Skirnir, who was Frey's favorite servant, and bade him find out what was the matter. Skirnir therefore went to his master, whom he found sitting all alone in his great hall, looking as if there were no more joy for him. What ails you, master? asked Skirnir. From the beginning of time, when we were very young, we too have lived together, and I have served you with loving care. You ought, then, to have confidence in me, and tell me all your troubles. Ah, Skirnir, my faithful friend, sighed Frey. How shall I tell you my sorrow? The sun shines every day, but no longer brings light to my sad heart, and all because I saw more 
than was good for me. So then he told Skirnir all the matter, how he had stolen into Odin's seat, and what he had seen from there, how he loved a giant's daughter, whose arms were more bright than silver moonbeams. Oh, Skirnir, I love her very dearly, he cried. But because our races are enemies, she would never marry me, I know, even if her father would allow it. Therefore is it that I am so sad. But Skirnir did not seem to think the case so hopeless. Give me but your swift horse, he said, which can bear me even through flames of fire and thick smoke. Give me also your magic wand and your sword, which, if he be brave who carries it, will smite by itself any giant who comes in its way. And I will see what I can do for you. Then Skinnir rode forth upon his dangerous errand, for a visit to giant land was ever a perilous undertaking, as you may well imagine. As Skinnir rode, he patted his good horse's neck and said to him, Dark it is, friend, and we have to go over frosty mountains and among frosty people this night. Bear me well, good horse, for if you fail me, the giants will catch us both, and neither of us will return to bring the news to our master Frey. After a long night of hard riding over mountain and desolate snowfield, Skirnir came to that part of Jotunheim where the giant Jamir dwelt. This was the father of Gerd, the maiden whom Frey had seen and loved. But first he had to ride through a hedge of flame, which the horse passed bravely. Now when he came to the house of Jamir, he found a pack of fierce dogs chained about the door, to keep strangers away. Hmm, thought Skirnir. I like this little indeed. I must find out whether there be not some other entrance. So he looked around, and soon he saw a herdsman sitting on a little hill, tending his cattle. Skirnir rode up to him. Ho, oh, friend, he cried. Tell me, how am I to pass these growling curs so that I may speak with the young maiden who dwells in this house? Are you mad, or are you a spirit who is not afraid of death? exclaimed the herdsman. Know you not that you can never enter there? That is Jamir's dwelling and he lets no one speak with his fair and good daughter. 
if I choose to die, you need not weep for me, quoth Skirnir boldly. But I do not think that I am yet to die. The Norn maidens spun my fate centuries ago, and they only can tell what it is to be. Now Skirnir's voice was loud, and the hoofbeats of his horse were mighty, for this was one of the magic steeds of Asgard, used to bearing Frey himself on his broad back. And not without much noise had all these things been said and done. From her room in Jamir's mansion, Gerd heard the stranger's voice, and to her waiting maid she said, What are these sounds that I hear? The earth is trembling, and all the house shakes. Then the servant ran to look out of the window, and in a minute she popped in her head, crying, Here is a mighty stranger who has dismounted from his horse and leads him by the bridle to crop the grass. Gerd was curious to see who this stranger might be, for her father kept her close, and she saw few visitors. Bid him enter our hall, she said, and give him a horn of bright mead to drink. I will see him, though I fear it is the slayer of my brother. For Gerd was the sister of Tiasa, whom Thor slew. So Skinir came into the hall, and Gerd received him coldly. Who are you? she asked. Which of the wise Asir are you? For I know that only one of the mighty ones from Asgard would have the courage and the power to pass through the raging flames that surround my father's land. I come from Frey, O maiden, said Skirnir, from Frey, whom all folk love. I come to beg that you also will love him and consent to be his wife, for Frey has seen your beauty, and you are very dear to him. Gerd laughed carelessly. I have heard of your fair Frey, she said, and how he is more dear to all than sunshine and the sweet smell of flowers. But he is not dear to me. I do not wish the love of Frey, nor any of that race of giant killers. Tell him that I will not be his bride. Stay, be not so hasty, urged Skirnir. We have more words to exchange before I start for home. Look, I will give you eleven golden apples from Asgard's magic tree, if you will go with me to Frey's dwelling. Gerd 
would hear nothing of the golden apples. Then Skirnir promised her the golden ring, Draupnir, which the dwarves had made for Odin, out of which every ninth night dropped eight other rings, as large and bright. But neither would Gerd listen to word of this generous gift. I have gold enough in my father's house, she said disdainfully. With such trifles, you cannot tempt me to marry your fray. Then Skirnir was very angry, and he began to storm and threaten. I will strike you with the bright sword which I hold in my hand, he cried. It is Frey's magic sword, under which even that stout old giant, your father, must sink if he comes within its reach. But again, Gerd laughed, though with less mirth in her laughter. I will tame you with Frey's magic wand, he threatened, the wand with which he rules the light elves and changes folk into strange shapes. You shall vanish from the sight of men and pass your life on the eagle's mount far above the sky, where you shall sit all day too sad to eat. And when you come thence, after countless ages, you will be a hideous monster, at which all creatures will stare in mockery and scorn. These were dreadful words, and Gerd no longer laughed when she heard them. But she was obstinate. I do not love Frey, she said, and I will not be his bride. Then Skirnir was angry indeed, and his fury blazed out in threats most horrible. If you will not marry my dear master, he cried, you shall be the most unhappy girl that ever lived. You shall cry all day long and never see joy again. You shall marry a hideous old three-headed giant, and from day to day you shall ever be in terror of some still more dreadful fate to come. Now, Gerd began to tremble, for she saw that Frey's servant meant every word that he spoke. But she was not yet ready to yield. Go back to the land of elves, she taunted. I will not be their queen at any cost. Now Skirnir grasped the magic wand and waving it over her, spoke his last words of threat and anger. The gods are angry with you, evil maiden, 
he cried. Odin sees your obstinacy from his throne and will punish you for your cruelty to kind Frey. Frey himself, instead of loving, will shun you when the gods arm themselves to destroy you and all your race. Listen, giants, dwarves, light elves, men, and all the friends of the Asir, I forbid any one to have aught to do with this wicked girl. Only the old giant who shall carry her to his gloomy castle, barred and bolted and grated across. Misery, pain, and madness. This, Gerd, is the fate which I wave over you with my wand. Unless, speedily, you repent and do my will. Poor Gerd gasped and trembled under this dreadful doom. Her willfulness was quite broken, and now she sought only to make Skirnir unsay the words of horror. Hold, she cried. Be welcome, youth, in the name of your powerful master, Frey. I cannot afford to be enemy of such as he. Drink this icy cup of welcome, filled with the giant's mead, and take it with my consent to be the bride of Frey. But alas, I never thought to be a friend to one of Asgard's race. You shall never repent, fair Gerd, said Skirnir gently, for now that he had won his will, he was all smiles and friendliness. And when you see my dear master, you will be glad indeed that you did not insist upon wedding the old three-headed giant. For Frey is fair, aye, as fair as you yourself. And that is saying much, sweet lady. So Gerd promised that in nine days she would come to be the bride of Frey. And the more she thought it over, the less unpleasant seemed the idea. So that before the time was past, she was almost as eager as Frey for their happy meeting. Not quite so eager, for you must remember that she had not yet seen him and knew not all his glory, while he knew what it was to long and long for what he had once seen. Indeed, when Skirnir galloped back to Frey as fast as the good horse could take him, still Frey chided him for being slow. And when the faithful fellow told the good news of the bride who was to be his master's in nine short days, still Frey frowned and grumbled impatiently. How can I wait to see her? he cried. 
One day is too long. Two days are a century. Nine days seem forever. Oh, Skirnir, could you not have done better than that for your dear master? But Skirnir forgave Frey for his impatience, for he knew that thenceforward his master would love all the better him who had done so nobly to win the beloved bride. When Gerd married Frey and went with him to live in Elfland, where he and she were king and queen, they were the happiest folk that the world ever saw. And Gerd was as grateful to Skirnir as Frey himself, for she could not help thinking of that dreadful old three-headed giant whom, but for him, she might have married instead of her beautiful, kind Frey. So you see that sometimes one is happier in the end if they are not allowed to have their own way. Good night.